Welcome back to Dwayne'sville. Dwayne'sville for Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things at Brick Lane. You can find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops. And for Athena Home Loans, be rewarded for your loyalty at Athena Home Loans. A little bit of an NBL update and an NBA update. You can watch the Hungry Jacks NBA live on ESPN. One final round of the NBL. And then it's down to the business end of the season. Chris Anstey's been good enough to join me, Australian basketball legend, co-host of the Has Been Hoops podcast, and he's been good enough to jump on. Uh, he could have said hello to me at the game on Sunday, but he was busy hosting his own box of luminaries. Welcome to you, Chris. Great to have you on. <laughs> I didn't see you, Dwayne. I apologise. It was a um, that was a fun night um, watching that United game. I, I get to see the Phoenix in the last game this uh, season on on Saturday night. But, um, geez, what a fun weekend we've got to round it out. And I, I just reckon that the 5.30 game tonight might be the biggest one of them all, and it probably doesn't appeal to Melbourne basketball fans quite as much. But um, for those who followed the league, we, we just assume that the Sydney Kings will beat a very depleted Phoenix on Saturday night, which means that the Brisbane Bullets-New Zealand Breakers game today, uh, the loser's done. Um, so it really is a, a, a win-or-go-home type game, and they're always fun to watch to see who steps up, who perhaps struggles a little bit, but uh, that 5.30 game over the ditch uh, is the biggest game the uh, the Brisbane Bullets will play uh, this season. Yeah, because they were cooked early, and we thought that they were going to be last on the ladder, but here they are, they've resurrected things, as has a couple of teams this year over the course of time, but Adelaide's dropped away a bit after having a little spark as well, but uh, Brisbane's a bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, they are, and, and they've got every chance of beating the... They started the season slowly, and Justin Shuler, Darren McDonald, and the coaching staff up there have done a really good job to to turn that around. Nathan Sobey's been incredible, and they're, look, their they're roster's just a little bit more balanced, but certainly they wouldn't have been a team that you would have probably tipped to lock in a top four or five spot. Now, probably a little bit incorrect, I think, if New Zealand lose, and then there's still a way for them to get in, mm. but... I'm really interested in seeing what, what Brisbane do today. I think they're going to be a little bit too tough for New Zealand with uh, Anthony Lamb out. They might be able to handle uh, Cartwright-Jackson well enough uh, to limit what the breakers are able to do and uh, sneak their way in, I think. So this Melbourne Phoenix last game, though, so they could beat the Kings. What kind of repercussions would there be if the Kings missed the playoffs? You know, well, the repercussion might be the same anywhere where, you know, Trevor Gleeson's available, Brian Gorgian's available. Uh, Mahmood, or Coach Mahmood, hasn't gotten the team to what they're capable of. Now, regardless of ladder position, the way that they're playing, the way that they're competing and their, their inconsistencies, I just don't think that a team with that calibre of players on it should be... In a, in, you know, a must-win game to make the playoffs in, in the last round. Now, they're quite fortunate that they get South East Melbourne Phoenix with imports missing, very depleted roster. And again, you just expect them to win that. And, and here's the thing, though, a little bit like John Rilly and the Perth Wildcats. I chatted uh, to Tim Gossage and Scotty Cummins over on the SEMWA earlier, and they were barracking for the Kings to lose. They, they were barracking last night for Illawarra as well just to make sure that Sydney might miss. But um, I'll tell you what, they're still the team that 
I'm going to say when they beat the Phoenix, and if they don't, they should just mm. write a line through it. But they've still got that top-end talent where any team on any given night would have to at least be cautious of Jalen Adams going crazy or Denzel Valentine going crazy. Or, yeah, they've got enough players in there that can beat you single-handedly on any given night. It's just their inability to put it together consistently over a season. But Jeez, they would still scare me a little bit, even if they sneak in the fifth or sixth spot. Does last night's loss put any doubts as to whether you think Perth is as good as Melbourne United? Melbourne United is going to finish top, and they might finish, what, a couple of games clear as well on the win column. But um, is it Melbourne and and Daylight and then three or four teams that are even, or is Perth still the team to beat if it's not Melbourne? Yeah, just a little bit of daylight. I just think I was chatting to Mark Worthington earlier on and we were chatting. We were wondering if Melbourne United might rest players over this last weekend, mm. whether or not they played Brad Newley a whole bunch of minutes in his farewell uh, road, you know, regular season games before he retires. Um, but the thing with United, even if they do rest their starters and play their bench, they're still as good as most teams in the league. They've mm. just got incredible depth. So, yeah. Melbourne a clear favourite. I'm not too worried about Perth um, with that result. What the interesting part with Illawarra was Perth haven't found a way to beat Illawarra yet, and Illawarra locked up that spot. So Justin Tatum, as head coach, has done an incredible job to take that team from dead last uh, in the fourth position as it sits right now, and that's just been an incredible coaching performance. But uh, no, not worried about Perth. They've had second spot locked in. They they couldn't go up. They couldn't go down. I think they're fine. And any team with Bryce Cotton and an aggressive Bryce Cotton mindset leading into a playoff series against anyone uh, is going to be formidable. So for those unaware, the NBL has a six in a 10-team comp with this playing tournament that they've got. The NBA had it, and now the NBL has got it. So... In essence, nine of the ten teams in the comp could still make the playoffs last week with two rounds to go. Uh, it's It's been a good addition, Chris. I've been arguing about the AFL and how they've got an eight for an 18-team comp, whether they should push it out to ten. But keeping those teams alive late in the season has been a godsend for the NBL because every game has interest in it just about. Yeah, it does. And it's one of the, the great initiatives we've copied from the NBA. It's, it's worked in the NBA. It's certainly worked here. So fan, ba- fan bases are more engaged and longer, longer into a season. It takes a lot longer to be mathematically written off. Um, it just really, and it creates more and more interest, even in this final round, across more games than ordinarily we would have had. So I, I love it. Uh, you know, it's, I I have no idea who's going to get through this weekend. Like I said, I think Brisbane might, but there have been other seasons in the history of the NBL where the top four of the finals have been locked in a couple of weeks out and they've just been dull, you know, dead rounds. So Hmm. congratulations to the NBL for implementing it. It wasn't necessarily, you know, not everyone agreed with the decision when they did it, but I think those who didn't, now do it's very hard to find someone who doesn't agree with the format the repercussions for southeast melbourne i know they've had injuries but uh, they've got to look at two years and i spoke to tommy greer about it yesterday and he admitted after two years of injuries they've got to look at their management and their training system yeah tommy greer was sitting with me when he walked out i was a little bit disappointed we, we missed out <laughs> on about 10 minutes of chat but no i, I agree it's the high performance program with the phoenix and the one consistent they've had from the day that 
they stepped into the league is their inability to keep players on the floor. And you know, I always say that the most important element of high performance is performance, and they haven't had that from their best players. And yeah, every week it rolls around, and you've got a player out with injury. And you know, I don't think Simon Mitchell ever had a clear run at it with a full roster. Mike Kelly certainly hasn't had a run of it. Uh, run at it with a full roster. I, you know, they need to find a way to manage their players off the court. I don't think that's necessarily a coaching thing. I think it comes from somewhere else in the high performance program. So, so whoever's responsibility it is to put the players on the floor, to, to recruit healthy players, to screen players, to make sure they can get through a season, and then in fact to get those players on the court week in, week out. You know, that's got to change. Whoever that is at the Phoenix. How many NBL players do you think will make the actually get to Paris, not the squad, but actually make the actual team for Paris? Oh, you put me on the spot. I, I, I think perhaps <laughs> more than went to the World Championships. Uh, and I say that because the guys who have played full seasons in the NBL and have competitive minutes under their belt may very well be better prepared. I think whoever we send to Paris is going to find it extraordinarily difficult um, you know, we're very small. We, we, our top-end guys haven't played a lot of basketball. Even when you start looking at Josh Kitty, you know, he's, he's 20 minutes a game down from what he was. But we're small. Most teams are sending their, their superstars across. Um, you know, you'd like to think Chris Golding would be a very good chance. You'd like to think that Matthew Dellavedova may even earn his way back in. And unfortunately, you know, Dyson Daniels is now under an injury cloud. So I'm not sure... Who else it is? I'm really interested to see how Mitch Creek goes in the upcoming Oceana series or the, or the Asian series in Bendigo. I'd love to see him have a run at a position. Um, I'll go with one or two, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's you know three or four. And are all the big guns going to play for the US? It sounds like the, they're quite a few putting their hand up. Yeah, they, they will. It's going to be scary, the team they put on the floor and you know, I, I think you'll see Steph Curry in a USA uniform, perhaps for the first time in Olympic Games. I might be wrong there, but you know, when you're looking at Curry, LeBron, Durant, Booker, the, the list goes on. It, it goes back to that inverted commas dream team type USA team that's going to be really formidable. But then again, you, you look at Serbia and you look at other countries, you, you've got Nikola Jokic who's going to play, you've got Luka Doncic who's going to play for yeah, for all their, their home countries, uh, Slovenia, um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, I'm not even sure if Greece are in, but there are so many absolute superstars that will find their way to the uh, to the Olympic Games. It's going to be a tough ask for Australia, who probably doesn't have one at that calibre uh, to compete on any given night on the team that we send across. So who do they... I mean, they're going to leave some good ones out. They've got Kyrie, they've got... Uh... I mean, Jimmy Butler, they've got... Um, well, Embiid's injured at the moment, so there's got to be a question mark over him. Lillard, they're going to miss Chris Paul. They're going to leave some good ones out. I think Chris Paul will be one they leave out. But, I mean, well, what, a, what a luxury, what a decision to have with, with those players actually putting their hand up and becoming available. Um, there, Of course, there'll be great players, players left out. But um, I, I think... Whenever you see the USA not do well at a major event, the good players or the, the top-tier players tend to avail themselves at the next big one just to make sure people remember how good the United States are at basketball mm-hmm. in, in their minds. So uh, having said that, even with their top-tier teams, 
uh, you know, they're, they're still beatable. The world, for a number of years, has continued to catch up on the USA. But uh, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to sitting down, putting my feet up and having a look. It, it's going to be a fascinating Olympic Games when it does roll around. Gorge, uh, the spectre of Brian Gorgian being back. Um, where do you think he might end up? Well, well, I think Sydney, but Trevor Gleeson, by all reports, is, is in the mix for Sydney as well. So you've got two very historically successful, maybe the two most successful coaches in NBL history successfully available for one of the biggest markets in the country. So you'd, you'd, you'd almost be crazy to go past those two, I would imagine. It looks to me like Adelaide are throwing all of their cards on the table to try to get Gorge before Sydney's head coaching job becomes available, if in fact it does, and, and good on them for doing so. But I also think Scotty Innes has done a great job sort of in line with what Justin Tatum has been able to do in Elora. So, you know what, I, I still tend to think Gorge will find his way back to Asia um, if it's not the Sydney Kings. I think that would be the only job that truly interests him. So the money in Asia, the money in Japan as well is pretty big as well. People probably don't quite... I mean, our competition's better, but our money's not quite as good. Is that the way it is? Yeah, it is. And, you know, the growth of the sport in smaller countries, the, the importance of good coaching to improve the quality of the league. And Gorge has always been big on that, no matter where he's been. So he's been a really integral part of that, you know, in China, in the Philippines, and in the, the various places he's coached. I just think his reputation... He's so high, not only here in Australia, but globally that, you know, he'll actually have a, you know, his, his choice will come down to more teams than just the ones that are available in the NBL. You're not coaching? You're happy uh, just uh, being the barman <laughs> of the Trentham? Yeah, a little bit more than that, but uh, no, I'm happy to sit behind the bar and pour a few drinks, but no, the, the coaching's done for me. I still get on court every, every now and again with the players who give me a call and want to work out a little bit, but... Uh, I'm, uh, I'm involving myself in that outer circle of uh, basketball people, you know, the sponsors, the, the supporters, and you know, getting to know them a little better, which has been a lot of fun. You are actually, so people wander down to the Trentham, uh, the Trentham Hotel this weekend. Are you there most weekends? I know you're going to be at the basketball quite a bit, but you are spending a lot of time there. You're not just an owner who's never there. No, I know I get there. I, I, I'm getting to know the community well. I'm, I'm there a lot of the time. Not this weekend. I'm sticking okay. around in Melbourne this week. I mean, I'll go to the Phoenix game, then I'm actually off to the United States to see my daughter Izzy at UCLA next week, so I'll be over there for a little bit. But uh, no, when I'm back, all, all I tell people, just flick us a message on, on social media. I'll tell you when I'm coming down, and come down and have a beer with me. It's good fun having you over Chris. the other side of the bar. Good stuff, Chris. Great to have you on. I really love the chat, and good luck in the US. Hope she's going well. Good on you, Duane. Thanks, mate. Chris Anstey, Australian basketball legend and NBL update. You can watch the Hungry Jacks NBL live on ESPN. Duane's watch for Brick Lane Brewing. Find it at all good bottle shops.